For those who haven't met me yet, I'm David Ratton. Um, I'm privileged to be your guest speaker for the four weeks of January. It's been lovely to get to know some new friends over these recent weeks and to start putting names to faces is a good thing. So um, it, it's great to be here. What, what you may not know as part of this wonderful church is that on the back wall uh, are projected not only the words of the songs that we're seeing at the front so the worship leaders can see what's happening, there's also the time. And that, that's, that's obviously designed to try to keep the, uh, the preacher to a particular um, length. Now, it reminds me, reminds me of the story I heard years ago of two, two young boys. They were friends at school. One of them was an Anglican and the other was Churches of Christ. And they decided over two weeks to visit each other's churches to see what, uh, what it was like in their friend's church. So the first week they went to the Anglican church and, and the little Anglican boy explained everything that was happening when they had to kneel, when they had to do a responsive reading. He would just uh, explain to his Church of Christ friend uh, what was happening. Well, the next week they went to the Church of Christ and, of course, it was a pretty simple service, so there wasn't a lot of explanation needed. But when the, the minister got up to preach, he took his watch off and looked at it and lay it on the pulpit. And the little Anglican boy said, what does that mean? And his friend said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> so settle in, folks. You're in for a long one today because I'm not going to look at that clock whatsoever. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus and to have him look you in the eye and say your name uh, and then imagine if he started to talk to you personally and individually, specifically about your life and what he wanted from you and what God expected of how you would live your life. Imagine if that encounter were to take place today and Jesus were to look you in the eye and say your name and and then have a conversation with you about the things that are important in your life. I wonder what would be on the agenda. Would you be up for that conversation? Or would you perhaps um, prefer to delay the conversation a little while so that you could get a few things sorted? I think maybe that would be my response. As we read the Gospels, we discover that they are a record of a series of encounters that Jesus had with individuals. Now, of course, there were times where he spoke to large crowds and groups of people, but the essence of the gospel is this series of encounters that Jesus has with individual men, women, young people, children, where Jesus looks a person in the eye, he says their name, and then speaks into their life words of truth. What follows is always life-defining. Some, some encounters end well, some don't end so well. Some people respond positively, other individuals respond negatively. But one thing is for sure. A face-to-face encounter with Jesus confronts a person with a decision to be made or a choice to be taken. 
So I'll say it again. Imagine if you had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus today. Would you be up for that? What would be on his agenda as he spoke to you about your life and what God might expect from it? We continue today our series, Snapshots from the Life of Jesus. This is a series that looks at some of the um, snapshots of Jesus' early ministry. Week one, we, we talked about Jesus' baptism. Last Sunday, we looked at the temptations that Jesus encountered in the wilderness. Today's snapshot is the first thing we read that happens following the temptations in the desert. We read about an encounter Jesus had with four men who happened to be two sets of brothers. And today I want to suggest to you my conviction that Jesus wants to meet you, to look you in the eye, to say your name and to have a very personal conversation. Our Bible reading uh, comes from Matthew chapter 4 and uh, you follow with me on the screen as I read. Matthew 4 verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It's a story that most of us know well. It's the calling of the first disciples. Jesus walking beside the sea and spots two brothers minding their own business. Literally, they were fishermen and they were fishing. And Jesus looks them in the eye and says, Come, follow me. The Bible tells us they immediately did just that. And then further down the beach, he finds two other brothers with their father in their boat, mending their nets. Come, follow me. Leave your stuff. Come with me. And they did. I want to suggest to you that when these two sets of brothers met Jesus, the request he made is exactly the same request that he makes today when he encounters individuals. And it's exactly the same decision that people need to make in response. For 2,000 years, men and women and young people and children have been meeting the living, resurrected Jesus. He looks them in the eye and he says, follow me. And the moment he makes that request, a choice is to be made. Yes, I will follow. No, I will not follow. So I have to ask you today, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son? Do you accept the claim that he has on your life and on your destiny? Do you hear the challenge that he presents to you today? It is clear, it is unambiguous. Follow me. 
What I'm talking about is what it means, of course, to become a Christian. Because a Christian is simply one who chooses to follow Jesus. So today I want to explore what it means to say yes when Jesus asks us to follow. It means a few things. Firstly, following Jesus means surrendering everything to him. There's no easy way of saying this. If you choose to follow Jesus, it will cost you everything. When Jesus walked along the beach and found two fishermen, what did he say? Listen, guys, I want you to become my followers. Just sign this commitment card. Try really hard to live a good life. Get along to the synagogue once a week and and listen, we'll catch up from time to time. Didn't say that, did he? Follow me. It's clear. It's unambiguous. There is a decision to be made. He was asking them to leave their nets and their boat and their business and their father and their life to follow him. From now on, he would be in charge. He'd be telling them when to go and where. It would be his agenda, not theirs. What did we read? Immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. It's a big call, isn't it? It's a big call. Not everyone Jesus met was willing to follow and and quite frankly I don't blame them. This was a big life-defining decision. We read about some of the responses to the encounters that Jesus had with people. Luke chapter 9, 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It's harsh, but following Jesus means surrendering everything to him. Are you up for that? Am I? So how does surrendering everything to Jesus actually work? Because if, like me, you've been in church all your life, you've heard these messages, you know that it costs everything, but how does it work practically? I read a book years ago that really helped me to understand what it means to give everything over to Jesus. It was written by Juan Carlos Ortiz. Uh, The the book was titled uh, Disciple. And in the book, uh, Ortiz describes a conversation between Jesus and one who was thinking about surrendering everything to him uh, and was trying to get his mind around what this involved. And so let me read to you the conversation. Jesus, the disciple. How much does it cost? Well, it's too dear, too costly. But how much? Well, it's very expensive. Do you think I could buy it? Oh, of course, anybody can. But you say it's too expensive. How much is it? It costs everything you have. No more, 
no less, so anybody can buy it. I'll buy it. What do you have? Let's write it down. Well, I have $10,000 in the bank. Good, $10,000. What else? I have nothing more. That's all I have. Have you nothing more? Well, I have some dollars here in my pocket. Well, how many? I'll see, 30, 40, 50, 80, 100, $120. $120. That's fine. What else do you have? I have nothing else. That's all. Well, where do you live? Well, I live in my house. The house too. Then you mean I must live in the garage? Have you a garage? That too. What else? Do you mean I must live in my car then? Have you a car? I have two. Both become mine. Both cars. What else? I have nothing else. Are you alone in this world? No. I have a wife. Two children. Your wife and your children too. What else? I have nothing else. I am left alone now. Oh, you too. Everything, everything becomes mine. Wife, children, house, garage, cars, money, clothing, everything. And you too. Now, you can use all those things here, but don't forget they are mine as you are. And when I need any of the things you are using, you must give them to me because now I am the owner. I was quite a young man when I first read that and it was so confronting and yet it had a ring of absolute truth. Are you ready to follow Jesus by giving it all up to him? Friends, when we say yes to following Jesus, In fact, we are handing to him all we are and all we have. We are trusting him with the control of our lives. We relinquish the right to determine our own destiny. These four fishermen, when they met Jesus, were willing to surrender their lives to him. What about you? What about me? Following Jesus means surrendering everything to him. Secondly, Following Jesus means going where he leads. You read the Gospels and you get the clear impression that Jesus set the agenda and set the pace. What did we read? At once they left their nets and followed him. They did not try to set their own agenda once they were disciples. I I don't read in the New Testament, I Don't believe it happened that the disciples would sit down and negotiate with Jesus the routine or the route because he was Lord, he was setting the pace, he set the agenda. I often have discussions with Christians who really want to know what God's plan is for their lives. They might be dissatisfied at work or they might just really want to serve God in some special way. And often they will have heard stories of how God called a person to the mission field or into the ministry or into some sort of special Christian work and they just long for that sort of call on their life. I want you to hear what I'm about to say really clearly because it's so important. The call that Jesus places on the life of a missionary or a minister is exactly the same call that he places on your life 
It is the same call he placed on the lives of the four fishermen. Follow me. It's as simple and as difficult as that. And if you are willing to answer the call, then all you need to do is follow. If Jesus leads you to the mission field, then follow. If he leads you into some special ministry situation, then follow. And if he leads you into teaching or accounting or full-time parenting or truck driving, then follow and be faithful in following. You see, the mark of a disciple is not the role he or she plays. It is his or her willingness to follow. And if you are a Christian person who is biding your time, waiting for Jesus to tell you what to do with your life, then you have missed the whole point. The point is what you need to do with your life is to follow him. Follow him where he leads, go. What he says, do. And if you are a Christian and are dissatisfied with your lot in life, then with respect I say to you, start following Jesus more faithfully. Start being a Jesus follower at work or in your marriage or as a parent or a grandparent. And if you become faithful in following Jesus just where you are, where he finds you today, then you might be very surprised at where he leads you to follow in the future. Following Jesus means going where he leads. And then finally, following Jesus means walking with Jesus every day. When the disciples met Jesus and responded positively to his invitation to follow him, they were signing up for an everyday experience, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This was no part-time commitment. And I wonder how their lives changed living with Jesus full-time. I imagine they watched their language. I'm sure they would have been careful about how they related to each other. It might have been hard to share life with Jesus and continue to bear a grudge or to be unforgiving or to lose your temper or lie or cheat. Not impossible, but difficult when you're in the presence of the Master. So let me ask you this question. If tomorrow you got out of bed and Jesus appeared to you and told you he was going to spend the whole day with you, he just wants you to carry on as normal, I wonder if you could do that or would there be some things that would be modified because of his presence with you tomorrow. I wonder what would change in your role as a parent or a grandparent or a friend or an employee or a neighbour or a sports person or, or whatever role you are in. What about how you live when nobody's around? There was a book written some years ago. It was titled, Who Are You When Nobody's Looking? I never read the book, but I love the title. bit confronting. Who who are you? Who who are you when nobody's looking? That's your private life. Well, you're happy to invite Jesus into that part tomorrow when he spends a day with you. I I read a poem a long time ago. It's one of my favourites, and I'll share it with you. If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, 
If you came unexpected, I wonder what you'd do. Oh, I know you'd give your nicest room to such an honoured guest and all the food you'd serve him would be the very best. And you would keep assuring him you're glad to have him there, that serving him in your home is joy beyond compare. But when you saw him coming, would you meet him at the door with your arms outstretched in welcome to your heavenly visitor? Or would you have to change some things before you let him in? Or hide some magazines and put the Bible where they'd been? Would your family conversation keep its usual pace? And would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you be glad to have him meet your very closest friends or would you hope they'd stay away until his visit ends? Would you be glad to have him stay forever, on and on? Or would you sigh with great relief when he at last was gone? It might be interesting to know the things that you would do if Jesus came in person to spend some time with you. It's not bad, is it? This makes you think. What sort of life am I living and is following Jesus at the forefront of my life? Following Jesus is a 24-7, seven-day-a-week deal. It's all about walking with him every day and allowing him to speak into every relationship, activity and action. It is inviting him into your thought life. It's inviting him to lead and direct to inspire and challenge, to comfort and protect. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And we know the best way to live life is actually following Jesus. His invitation to us is to live life to the full by following him. Follow me, said Jesus, and I will make you fishers of men. I love that thought. Jesus stands before us, looks us in the eye, says our name, says, follow me and I will make you what by yourself you could never be. Following Jesus, that's the call. But here's the thing. These four fishermen got more than they bargained for when they chose to follow Jesus that day. But every day after, they had to make the same decision. Do I keep following today or do I go back to the business? Has it got too hard? Maybe it's time to go home. Back to dad. Back to the nets. Back to obscurity. (laughs) Or today do I continue to follow him? So Jesus stands before you today and he looks you square in the eye. He says your name. He asks, follow me. You might have been a Christian for decades, but the decision to follow Jesus today is as fresh as the decision that very first day when you bowed the knee at the foot of the cross and said, Jesus, I choose to follow you. And maybe today you're a person who's never made a decision to follow Jesus and for the first time it's sort of come clear that Jesus looks at you in the eye, says your name and says, follow me. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for this wonderful story from the Bible. I thank you for Jesus and the practical, down-to-earth way in which he just meets people and confronts who they are, sums them up, but asks them, no matter who they are, the same question. Follow me. Father, we thank you for four fishermen who were willing to accept the call and to lay down their lives and to follow him. I thank you for 2,000 years of men and women, young people and children who have made the decision to follow Jesus. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today, many of whom have a lifetime of testimony of what it has meant to follow the Saviour. But Lord, uh, each one of us knows that our commitment to Christ, this decision we make, is only as fresh as the decision we make today. And so as Jesus stands before us now, I pray that you would give each one of us a willingness and a desire to say, yes, Jesus, I will follow, no matter what the cost. I'm ready to be your disciple. In Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. I really do enjoy the opportunity that you have in your church every Sunday to make some sort of response uh, to what we've been hearing through the service and through the, the message from God's Word. This is what I'd like each of us to do today. Um, take, take your pencil and, and your response sheet. And, and you've got to use your imagination. Okay, I want you to imagine Jesus standing before you and he looks you in the eye and he says your name. You've got a smile on his face. And then he simply says, follow me. Your response is your response. Just tell him. Tell him what you're thinking, what you want to say to him in response to his request.